Well, it's my joy and honor to welcome you once again to Graceway Baptist Church and our Sunday School lesson for November 12th. As you prepare this lesson, pray for Sammy. November 12th is her birthday, and she would really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to continue in Galatians chapter 6, picking up where we were uh, last week as we talked about bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ and how the Bible talks about Christ being a servant, not coming to ser uh, be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And that's a pretty good way of thinking about that. If we would just serve others and give to others of our time, our resources, our talents, etc., and be willing to do that and do it with joy, uh, it, would, it would change our lives and it would certainly change the lives of other people. But uh, we live in an age today where it's all about us and our time and what we want to do and not being inconvenienced and uh, all of that kind of thing. And yet we're called to be servants. And so uh, I challenge you to do that as you walk in the Spirit. So we said that it's not just an event that happens in our life. It's not just a feeling or something that we have that's only for us. It's something that we minister to others and we minister to the body and it has a practical aspect to it, uh, to it because we've been saved and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now we're to walk or to live in the Spirit or in the Spirit's power and by the Spirit's direction. Now how do I know I'm following the Holy Spirit? I look to the Word of God and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God will never contradict and that's how I check myself out. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians 6 and go on down to verse 6 and we'll look at verses uh, 6 through 10. So uh, as the theme here is living or walking in the Spirit, it always results in the display of spiritual fruit bearing which shows up in the way that we live and relate to others. It is applicable in everyday life. It's not just, uh, how should I put this? It's not just the way we act at church. And, and this is what causes such consternation and problems in families so many times. And that's because little children that are raised in the family, where'd they go wrong? We raise them in the church. Yeah, but did they see the church in you when you were at home, when you were at work? when you were on the sports field, when you were driving in traffic, those kind of things, it all makes a difference. Not that any of us are ever going to be perfect, but do you admit when you're wrong? Have you ever asked your children to forgive you? You know, a lot of times we as parents, we, ne we would never think about that, and yet we need to when we have uh, offended them or when we've been rude to them or when we've been wrong. Do you remember, uh, if you're my age, you remember watching uh, Happy Days? And you remember Fonzie, the Fonz? He could never say he was wrong. Uh, Richie, I was, Roar. you know, he would do all that and we all thought it was kind of funny. Well, a lot of parents are like that too. We think that if we admit that we were wrong, that uh, that's going to make our kids not trust us or not respect us or anything. And nothing can be farther from the truth. We're to confess our faults to one another, the Bible says. And uh, there are times when you even need to share that with your children. Not everything and some things are inappropriate for them. Don't take that too far. But there are those times when you need to go to them and say, I was 
wrong. That's a part of walking in the Spirit. The Spirit convicts us and reveals our sin. Act on that, okay? Galatians 6, verse 6. Same theme, walking in the Spirit. Let him who is taught the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, selfishness, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit uh, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Here's a big one. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, because of all of this, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. Uh, Two things come to mind as I read those verses. I I think that uh, sometimes that last part, do good especially to the household of faith. Why is it that we tend to be the rudest to our families? You know, there are those times when uh, there are maybe children in the neighborhood or uh, friends of my kids or something when they were little that I would always be nice and always be patient, always try to see things their way, always try to be a peacemaker. But then when it was one of my own kids, completely different person. Right? Why is it that we've heard so many times when there are marital problems, here's a guy who is nice to everybody at work, he's nice to everybody at church, but boy, he is just mean and cruel to his wife, or vice versa. Wives can do that to husbands as well. They seem all put together and wonderful at church, and and, uh, the way that they talk always with a smile, and always kind of, oh no, it's not any kind of a problem at all until they get home and then uh, it's just completely the opposite. And I had one guy say to me when I asked him that in counseling, he said, well, home is just the place where I kind of let my hair down. Well, isn't it strange that we are nicer to a checkout person at Walmart than we are to the person that we've made vows with, that we have had children with? and that we have uh, uh, lived with in a covenant relationship. What's wrong with that picture? Something's not quite right. And uh, so that strikes me when Paul says this. Why is it that sometimes we go out of our way not to offend a lost person, but we're not nearly that careful when we're in church or in a Sunday school class or something like that. We blurt things out. We say things we shouldn't say. We're not attentive. We're not remembering the burden that somebody is under. Uh, How about this? When somebody shares a prayer request in your Sunday school class, do you just hear it and then just kind of forget it? Or do you kind of uh, pay attention to that, continue in prayer for them, check up to see how they're doing? That's what we are supposed to do. But a lot of times we show better manners and more attentiveness to a lost person than we do our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, you did not hear me say be rude and inattentive to a lost person. 
for the sake of the church. I didn't say that. But what I did say is, if we would do that for an unbeliever, how much more should we do that for one another? And so uh, that, that was one of the things that uh, kind of struck me pretty good. And then the other thing, too, is that we are not to grow weary in doing good. Man, even though we're doing the right thing and we're doing what we ought to do for somebody else, sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of it going, I didn't know it was going to take this much time. I didn't know it was going to last this long. I thought I would see something better out of this by now. You know, sometimes we do that with our prayers. We pray about, you know, uh, three times for a situation, and then we go, well, I guess this isn't working. When we forget the stories that Jesus told us about persistence in prayer, God is teaching us something about this. And we don't persevere in it because we get tired of it. We grow weary in doing good. And it may be that we tell somebody, you know, uh, somebody's going through a trial. Well, just call me for anything and I'll drop everything and I'll be there. Have you ever had anybody really do that? Occasionally. But, you know, I've found out that most of the people who say that, well, they don't really mean that. They, there's a big if, an unspoken if on that. If I'm not doing something else. If... I'm not tied down with something I would rather do or if there's not a person I'd rather serve or minister to that needs me during that time. And, you know, that could go on and on and on. We need to be careful. Sometimes we lie without intending to and we box ourselves in without intending to because we just say things by cliches. Now, let's talk about these verses and think about this. Number one, walking in the Spirit is to appreciate the Word of God. Now, why is it that we think that we can be Spirit-filled and ignore our Bible? How is it that we think we're walking in the Spirit, but we hate preaching? How is it that we're walking in the Spirit, but we don't really care whether we make it to Sunday school or not? We don't pray about it. We don't think about it. We're not prepared for it. We just kind of show up and show up late, and uh, we, you know, we don't really care. Uh, walking in the Spirit always shows appreciation for the Word of God. Now, rather than uh, launch into a thing of how we pay the pastor and staff members and things like that, like I've heard this verse used before, let's just think of it like this. When Paul talked about sharing together in the Word of God, what he means is there needs to be some back and forth. You as a Sunday school teacher are watching this right now because you are preparing to teach. And hopefully you're not just being a copycat of what I say, but you're internalizing this and you're studying it and you're comparing Scripture with Scripture and you're getting it so that it flows out of your heart to the people that you love in your class. And you're doing it out of love for God and out of love for them. And you're doing it at your very best. Okay? Now, what should their response be? Their response should be not to yawn in your face, <clears throat> not to interrupt and uh, try to get you off track, but to appreciate you and to invest in you and to pray for you and to be a blessing to you. This isn't just about make sure you pay the preacher. Okay, understand. Now, I'm all for that, granted. LOL, I guess we'd say. Uh, but let him who is taught, let him who is taught the word, that's the pupil, share in all good things with him 
who teaches. Share. That means like stay awake, attend, engage, ask questions, affirm, all of those kind of things. You have no idea what it means to a preacher, whether it's me or anybody else, to say something and then to hear people in the congregation saying amen to it. You know, uh, Papa Sam used to say that's like saying sickum to a dog. Well, it kind of is because it means I'm tracking with you. Uh, we, we agree on all of these kind of things, and it's a little easier to preach when that happens. Same thing is true in a Sunday school class. Now, I've got uh, a verse here, 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. Now, does that make you want to resign? I'm going to say this. If you didn't consider it, you probably should. Because that is a powerful and a frightening verse. That makes me, the first reaction to reading that is, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Then there's a secondary reaction that says, no, it means I need to press on and do better and be more diligent in all of this because it's a responsibility to be a teacher. You are to be an example, not a stumbling block. Okay? And sometimes people say, well, why should I do it? They don't. Why should I come? They don't. Be careful, teachers. These are big, big verses here. And so what he's saying is, this is a two-way street. The teacher blesses the student, and the student returns the favor. Prayer, expressed appreciation, giving, friendship, all of those kind of things. And it's difficult to teach. You know this. But a lot of your people don't. They think this just magically happens and we just come up with these lessons and we just have a, spare, a, a special dispensation to be able to give it out. No, it's work. It's difficult to teach. It's difficult to interpret Scripture. And it's difficult to apply the Word. You know why? Because we'll think about when I stand up on Sunday morning. How many age groups are represented here? How many problems are represented here? How many needs are represented here? I can't possibly address everybody's need. You can't do it in your class, even in the small groups that, that you have. And some people think, well, I ought to always have it addressed to me and always have my needs met. That is absolutely impossible for a human being to do. Only God can do that. And he does that, of course, so many times. But this is something that is hard and they don't realize how much we pray about this, how much we agonize over this and how much it grieves us when somebody feels left out or when they feel like their needs weren't met or they feel like something didn't address them. It, it, it hurts. Think about your church staff. Think about those who minister in Awana. Think about Sunday school teachers. Think about Bible study leaders. All of those kind of things. So be vocal and be practical in encouraging them. There's your assignment. There's your job. Now you say, well, I'm a teacher. I need to be getting that. Pray about it and ask the Lord to give you encouragement, but make sure you give it as well. 
Make sure you give it. I was in a Sunday school class one time where we never could answer a question right. Well, that was a valiant attempt, young man, is what the guy said. That makes you not want to participate. Makes you not want to answer any questions or do anything with that guy. Made me not want to come to the class very much. Okay? So the teacher there could have been more affirming and encouraging to all of us. And there is a way to correct people when they're wrong in a way that doesn't just shame them or put them down. Be careful about your own attitude, teacher. We're to bless them and uh, we want them to bless us in return. Number two, that, that shows we appreciate the Word of God, the way we respond to a preacher or a teacher. Number two, walking in the Spirit is investing wisely. You've got 24 hours every day to invest in something. You've got a life of skill and talent to invest in something or someone. What are you investing in? Now, if we were talking about finances and you kept putting it into a stock that was losing money and going bankrupt, we would say, hey, what are you doing that for? Why are you putting your money in something that's losing? Now, sometimes you put it in while the price is low so you can cash out when the price is high. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an obvious stock that is losing, a company that is dying. Why would you put money in that? You need to put money in something else. And the same thing is true with us. If we're investing in fleshly things, and that would mean selfish things, things that benefit us, things that build us up, things that make us happy, things that uh, are, oh, I don't know, things that we like and uh, that kind of stuff. We can all invest in our own hobbies, but what are you really going to get out of it when you do that? We can invest in the people that like us, and that's so easy to do, but what are we going to get out of that? What is it that the Bible calls us to do? And we're not just to sow to the flesh, but we are to sow to the Spirit. The Bible says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap. And notice this word, corruption. Corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap. And a better translation to this next word would be eternal life. And eternal life doesn't mean that you're getting saved all over again. It means that you are reaping of the only one who has eternal life, and that's God. Eternal life is the life of God. Did you know that when you get saved, the life of God comes to live in you? Now, you need to think about that. And you need to think about the ramifications of that. You have the life of God to give you strength and energy, power and direction for everything you do. And it is a limitless supply. So what do you want? You want to just muddle through? You want to be tired and strung out and defeated and bruised and battered all the time? Or do you want to have joy and the fruit of the Spirit? And do you want it to be in the character of God, His eternal life, the life of God, being seen through you. That's what he's talking about. And so sowing is like an investment. Think about this. The farmer puts seed into the ground and that's an investment because he expects to get a crop. What are you sowing in? Flesh or spirit? Because only one is blessed by God. And one brings, Paul said, corruption. You want to know what that means? The Greeks use this word to describe decaying food nasty. 
And that's what your life becomes. You stink when you're not walking in the Spirit. And people can tell. You think they can't tell. You think you cover it up so well, but you really don't. It comes out. There is, you know, a smell to it when it comes that's not good and not spiritual. So that's what we want, eternal life, the life of God flowing through all of us, the life blessed by God. You know, it's interesting how people say, well, I just don't have time for God or church or the things of God, but they have time to travel. They have time for parties. They have time for alcohol. They have time to look at porn. They have time for sports. They have time for immorality. It's amazing how a man has no time for the things of God, but he has time to sleep with his secretary or somebody else. I mean, think about that. It's amazing how all of a sudden for sin, there's time, there's energy, there's excitement. Boy, we've got to do this. But for other things that are good and right, oh, just tired, no time, too busy and all of that. I mean, even in our giving, isn't it funny how big $20 looks in an offering plate, but how small it seems at a restaurant. You know, we, we just have a warped perspective. If it's something for us, $20, not much at all. $120, $500, $200, $1,000. $1, you know, we can all rationalize all of that. But when it comes to the things of God, oh, I would never want to give that. I just can't afford it. And our priorities are all off because we so to the flesh rather than to the spirit. Now, of course, you've got to be wise in all of that. And I'm saying throw caution to the wind and give everything you've got to the Lord and then live on the street. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about attitude and I'm talking about motive. Number three, walking in the spirit is endurance in servanthood. This sounds a lot like uh, last week, doesn't it? And it says in verse nine, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Notice, while doing good. Doing good should not be just an occasional thing or an afterthought. It ought to be a lifestyle, something that we're always doing and always looking for. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You're going to reap, and uh, you say, well, I'll just keep it in neutral, then I won't reap anything. No, you'll reap to the flesh the corruption the rotting food thing, or you'll sow to the Spirit. It's one or the other. And you're doing it whether you realize you're doing it or not. That's why he says this. So don't grow weary. Don't get tired. Don't get resentful. Don't let up in your zeal for blessing other people. Don't get proud about it either. And this was an ancient and a universal problem. We're not the first generation to be like this. Listen to this in Malachi Chapter 1, verse 13. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame, or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept it from your hand, says the Lord? So here you are, Time to go to the temple. Oh, is it that time already? Oh, seems like we just had pa Passover and sacrifices. No, it's, it's time. Well, we're going to look bad if we don't go. 
And you know that uh, those priests will notice and you know the neighbors will notice. So we better go. Well, we need to have a sacrifice. Hey, that one over there, the dogs got to it last night and it's going to die anyway. Let's take that one. That's what it means when you bring something taken by violence. It was chewed up by a bear or a lion or a wolf or something like that. Take that one. It's going to die anyway. We might as well use it for the Lord because we can't use it for anything good. Do you hear what I said? Then we may look and say, well, there's a sick one. It's going to die in a couple of days anyway. If we take it down there now, they will never know that it's sick. And we can offer that one to the Lord. That way we haven't lost anything. See the attitude? Oh, it's just so weary. And some people feel like that about coming to church. Some people feel like that about teaching lessons. Some people feel that way about coming to your Sunday school class. See, that is a downer and a drag on everything that we do, and it's the complete opposite of where it ought to be if we want to be blessed by God. We sow to the flesh. So tired, I can't stay awake during church, but I can sure stay awake during a movie, or I can sure stay awake during a ball game or something like that. Yeah, you, you get the point. Weariness, I think, is probably characterized by ungratefulness as much as anything, resentful, obligatory, or maybe even legalistic. And it brings about compromised service and a compromised lifestyle every time, every time. And so uh, we give the minimum and we do it inconsistently, but we want maximum blessings. What kind of blessing do you want from the Lord? Minimum, occasional, sporadic, or maximum? Well, then how are you living and how are you serving Him? The Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, we need to have that verse on our mind a lot, doesn't it? Because we just halfway do things do the bare minimum just so it's acceptable and then wonder why we're not blessed. So giving of money, since we kind of have to deal with that, is an indication of how you give other things. If you're chintzy with your money, you probably are with your time, with your talents, with your church attendance and all of that. Mark 16, 11 says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth... Who will entrust to you true riches? So your money and your stewardship there is kind of a scorecard of how you are with everything else. And we want to be generous with everything, okay? Because we want to be blessed in everything. Okay, number four, walking in the Spirit seeks opportunities to serve. You know, so many times we just sit around, fold our arms and say, well, if God wants me to do something, he'll bring it across my path. Well, he will. And many times that does happen. But the, the, the idea here in these verses is not that we wait for opportunities to come our way. We look for opportunities as we have opportunity to do that. We're always looking. How can I serve? How can I bring glory to God? How can I bless other people? How can I share the gospel? How can I? And, and we're always looking like that because there are needs and there are hurting people all around us. We don't ignore them and walk by them like the priest and the Levite did the 
man on his way to Jericho that was beaten up, and the Samaritan just couldn't do that. But the religious people sure could. Boy, that could be a lesson for all of us, couldn't it? All the hurting people all around us, what are we doing? Do we even bother so much as to pray? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith, we've been told. So, question, do you dread or welcome opportunities to give or to serve? Oh, another offering? Oh, another person has to move? You know, those kind of things. Another question, do you look for opportunities? Are your eyes open for them? Then when it says do good to all, that means even to the lost or even to your enemies. Romans chapter 12 verse 20 says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And, and Paul is quoting Solomon out of Proverbs when he says that. And then we're also to do good to the household of faith. Our first priority is, of course, to fellow believers because they are our family, our family of faith. So get it? This whole idea of walking in the Spirit is not just coming to church and getting goosebumps and raising your hand and jumping up and down and shouting and all of that. There's a place for that. Somebody said, a lot of people have said this actually, it's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk. That's where we really ought to be thinking about it. And I would also say this, it's not how high you jump, it's how straight and practical you walk. You've got to take what happens in here and in your Sunday school classroom and you've got to take it home with you. You've got to have it with you at work. You've got to have it with you at school. And we get into trouble because we just don't do it. We think we put in our time when we come to church, whew, done with that, and then we're, then we're out. We don't give it a second thought. That's a terrible thing because we're supposed to actually meditate on the things that we have learned and then put them into action because we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We don't want to play that game. So, in conclusion, walking in the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit blesses us and encourages others. It's not just self-centered. Ephesians chapter 5 Verses 17 through 21. You're familiar with these words. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now, did you notice that? Yeah, there's worship, and yeah, there's singing, and yeah, it touches your heart. But you sing and address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's not just me and Jesus and no one else. I'm, I'm a part of a body. You're a part of a body. And then it says we are actually to submit to one another and we do it out of reverence for Christ. That's what no personal rights. 
is really all about submitting to one another and doing it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and out of love for Him. It's not really about the other person so much as this is my offering to Christ. So, walking in the Spirit. We'll look at a couple of more lessons for this month, and I hope you're ready for them. And I hope more than anything that you and all of us are putting them into practice. That's what they're here for, and they're very practical. Sometimes people say, I wish we had something more practical. Then when you give it to them, they turn up their nose at it and don't want to do it. Well, here's your chance. This is practical. What are you going to do with it? Well, thank you for your time. And may the Lord bless you this next week. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And during this month where we're coming into the holidays, a great opportunity to give, a great opportunity to bless other people, and a great opportunity to just be thankful. Oh, how we should be thankful. May God help us do that. And I'm thankful for you. And may the Lord bless you during this next week.